I know Erin. She's my friend. Erin McGarvey? M- McGarvey, yeah. McGarvey. Or you can just do a schwa there. McGarvey. That's, McGarvey. How, that's how I say it when I say or it. Or do a schwa. Anyway. Do a schwa. I like it. We've got a real linguist with us today. Um, maybe we should rename this show Do a schwa. <laughs> That'd be a very interesting name for a linguistic show. Do a schwa. Hey y'all, welcome to Word Salad on the mighty CJSR 88.5 FM in the wild, wild north of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Word Salad has all the words, all the best words. Every episode, we ask whether we speak language or whether language speaks us. I'm your host, Dr. Russell Cobb, and I am happy to have back my co-host, Hello. Uh, Deanna Chianghurado. Hi, Russ. Hi, Deanna. <laughs> it's so exciting to have you back I'm on Word Salad. So excited to be back you've here been, you. You've been on Generator, you, but now you're back on Word Salad. It's yes. so exciting. I love your, this show. Oh, good. (laughs) Wonderful. So Deanna is is with us, and hopefully you'll be hearing lots more Deanna in the the months to come. And we have a special guest today, Erin McGarvey. Hello. Hello. Hi, Erin. Did I do do a schwa on that, or did I not do a schwa? (laughs) Well, the schwa comes in the the last name. McGarvey. Yes, between the M and the G. Okay. So you could say McGarvey, or you could just say it fast. Like I usually do, mm-hmm. and say McGarvey. So okay. there's an uh that in between. That would be the, oh, the, the uh is, is the schwa. McGarvey, yes. Okay. And a, if you haven't already been able to tell, Aaron is actually a linguist, and I just <laughs> I just play a linguist on on radio. So uh, I'm actually I'm I'm a aficionado. I'm an amateur of lingu- of of linguistics and just a love of language. Erin uh, is actually focusing on language revitalization and is actually working with a community in Alaska with uh, with uh, Alaska natives. Is that true? Yes. Yeah. All right. So, um, you know, this week what we're going to talk about is something that maybe you don't even give a second thought to, but if you've ever traveled outside of Canada and the United States, maybe you have thought about it a little bit. It's the question, seemingly obvious, of American. Who's an American? What is an American? What do you think? Are we Americans? Who's Americans? I am actually what I believe is I call a U.S. American. That's from the United States of America. But I'll tell you a little story. One time, very recently actually, I was in Cuba and there was a there was a conference there of all these Latin Americans. There were Latin Americans from Ecuador. Hello. From, <laughs> yeah, viva Ecuador. Okay. Uh, uh, Mexico, Cuba. Uh, and Every time I met them, I just said, well, you know, in Spanish, I'd say, soy americano. I am American. And so many of them took me to task on this. They said, yeah, you're American. Well, I'm American, too. Oh, they did? They did. They did. Yeah, they said, I'm American, too. You know who You know who mostly says that? You know which Latin American? Take a wild guess at which Latin American country hmm. is the most insistent that they are also americanos. Um... Argentinians? Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> yes. I can't tell you how many Argentines I've met when I say and, and it's happened to me in Paris. It's happened to me in Cuba. It's happened to me in Mexico that I meet an Argentinian and I say, uh, I say, I say soy americano. And they go, pero yo también soy americano, viste, que yo soy del continente americano. You know, then they start going on on that. And and so much so, it's happened so many times that I thought, I, I thought, I turned to Deanna and I said, Deanna, 
What do you think about this? I mean, you are geographically, technically speaking, an, Amer- an American. Aaron, I guess, technically, geographically speaking, you're an American as well. We're on the, the North Americas. American. Co- we're in the Americas. So I thought today what we're going to be exploring is who is an American, what is America, and do you identify as an American? And where does the word America even come from? And what what does being American means, right? What does it mean? Uh, even if you use it as part of your identity, well, why is it a big deal that you need to be acknowledged as an American as well? It's a very good question. I have taken to, like I said uh, earlier, I have taken to identifying myself as a U.S. American. And mm-hmm. some people think this is obnoxious. They think I'm being way overly politically correct. But I don't think it has anything to do with political correctness. I think it actually just has to do with actual specificity. It's very confusing to say I'm American. And not only is it specificity, as I asked Deanna a few weeks ago, how did the U.S. Americans get to colonize the very word American? Mm -hmm. This week on Word Salad, we're exploring who is an American, what's an American. Deanna. Yes. Would you call yourself an American? Of course. (laughs) Aaron, would you call yourself an American? Um, No. However, I really should because technically I have dual citizenship in the U.S. and Canada. So technically I should call myself American, but I've lived in Canada my whole life. So I really identify more with being Canadian. So I would not generally call myself American. And if someone asks me if I'm American, I'm like, no, I'm Canadian. Okay. (laughs) What I want to ask you two now, since you're both from, well, all three of us are from the American, this American continent or continents. Why, Deanna, would you consider yourself American? And why would you, Aaron, who actually have a U.S. American passport, not consider yourself American? Deanna? So the thing is that the Americas is the continent. If we think about Europeans, Europeans, they are, I mean, you can be German, you can be Italian, you can be Spanish, and you are European as well, right? Um, So why is it just that Americans have to be U.S. people? So it makes me think a little bit that it's like they are owning this word that corresponds to all the people that is from the Americas as as just being an identity that corresponds to them when it's to all of us, right? I think it bothers me a little bit, and I mentioned this to you, that my Latino friends and family members that live in the U.S., they they have a problem with this because they're also Latinos, but it's like, well, you're also American because we were born in the Americas, right? If you've seen uh, novellas or like uh, that has to do with history, um, they used to call peninsulares, the Spanish people that uh, came from the Spain to Americas, and then it's like... Uh, the the ones the the criollos or the ones that were born in the Americas they were an American they were not called Spanish or peninsulares even though they have a Spanish parents right so it's it's a term that that before in history I think it it belonged to everybody but somehow right now it just belongs to the U S it certainly did it 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 belonged to everyone and it was the rallying cry in mm-hmm. South America of Simon Bolivar the great liberator of Latin America yeah. He said his rallying cry was Americanos. Yes. We're all um, we're all Americans, whether you're mixed race, you're, you know, wh- wh- wherever you're from, whatever whatever your origins are, you live in this land so that we should all unite together. And somehow the US got to own the uh, label American. However, Aaron, and I got to say, I've been kind of running this by a few Canadians 
And I have not encountered more opposition from any other country in the Americas, more than the Canadians, which strikes me as very odd. Because if there's, there's probably no two countries in the world that are more similar <laughs> than the United States and Canada. In fact, if you dropped mm-hmm. me somewhere in Edmonton or dropped me somewhere in suburb, suburban United States, I probably wouldn't even know where I was. I'd probably mistake one for the other. Yet Canadians seem resistant to being labeled, like Deanna says, as simultaneously Canadian and American. Why, why is that? I think it's probably because of the perceived similarity. So, I mean, the U.S. and Canada have a very tight history But I think part of the reason that we kind of push back is that, I mean, the U.S. is so big now in the world. Everyone just sort of sees people from North America and they kind of assume that you're from the U.S. And so Canada actually kind of in a lot of ways becomes like the forgotten country or the underdog or people just assume, oh, you're exactly like Americans. There's that word. And because Canada actually has a distinct history from the U.S., there's many things that are very distinct about Canada. We kind of push back because we don't like just being seen as the forgotten U.S. state or Mm -hmm. the unconquered U.S. state Mm -hmm. or the little brother to the U.S. Right. Because I think it feels like it's infringing upon our identity as Canadians. And so and it's it's not we're not thinking about America as the continent at that point. We're thinking about America as the U.S. Right. So when people call you Americans, we're like, no, we're not. We're not. And especially since right now, the U.S. has not the greatest reputation internationally speaking. So for people to assume that people from Canada, which actually has a great reputation internationally speaking, as far as I understand it, we're going to push back a little bit on it, which is Mm -hmm. funny because U.S. people from the U.S. generally look at Canada very favorably as well. And we kind of turn around and we, we look at them a little bit negatively. And I don't actually think it's because we dislike America. We don't. We have a very close relationship with America. But I don't know, with conversations I've had with people, there is a somewhat of an annoyance that Americans tend to not really know anything about Canada right. or very little. And we share one of the largest borders on Earth. Mm-hmm. And it's like not a heavily divided, like it's a very friendly border, too. So um, and we had to learn about the states and we have all of their media and their products coming into Canada all the time. We don't really have a choice but to know a lot about America. But right. but they don't really know much about Canada. So it doesn't go the other way. Yeah. And I think. Some of their friendly stereotypes, like if you just know someone in passing, of course, you're probably going to have a nicer opinion of them than if you know someone intimately. And so I think it's also us pushing it back against the fact that they don't really know that much about us. And that's a little bit irritating. So, Erin, you said you don't consider yourself American because you are not from the U.S. or you don't want to be seen as also from the U.S. But I say I am American because I was born in the Americas, right? Doesn't this give the word two different meanings, depending on who you ask and um, where you ask the question, right? Yeah, that does seem like there's two distinct meanings happening here. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because, uh, Russ, you were saying your story earlier about how people were very much like, we're also Americans. (laughs) Um, And until Deanna actually started talking to me about this before, and we've had conversations about this before in the past, I had never actually heard anyone really refer to them as American themselves as American if they were not from the United States. And I don't know if maybe that's just because like most people from America's other than Canadians that I was going to be running into were Americans from the United States maybe. I don't know. I haven't been to I haven't been to South America myself. So maybe that's why, but it does seem like there's 
a difference in meaning there. And I can understand it, definitely. Yeah. This is becoming clear to me uh, that America, just like a, a great word salad episode, there's this seemingly neutral word that we all agree upon. And yet it means actually very different things in different contexts. Like it means something different in Canada. Like in Canada, it seems like America basically means the United States. And in the United States, it means the United States. <laughs> but in the rest of the Americas, it has this history of meaning something beyond just the United States of America. And probably at this point, this is where we kind of take a, a detour and we go back in time. Because the word America is seemingly old. I mean, it's been around since 1507 was the first iteration that someone actually put a pen to paper and called the land in the Western Hemisphere America. Before that, there was no America. Of course there was America. There have been people on this continent for tens of thousands of years. So even though the word America seems old, it's in the history of the Americas, it's actually quite new. There's obviously many different words for what America was before that. Some people, and out of indigenous people, just call it Turtle Island. But until 1507, there was no America. But things get even weirder because the word America comes from this explorer, Americo Vespucci. You guys no. heard of Americo Vespucci? Americo Vespucci. No. Vespucio. No? Vespucio? Yes. Ves I call him Vespucci. You call him Vespucio? Americo Vespucci. I want to do this like weird Italian thing. <laughs> no, but he's Americo Vespucci. <laughs> Vespucio. Well, he did become Spanish. But at, at the beginning of his life, he was an Italian. And he was sailing under the Spanish flag. And as far as Spanish explorers go, he was kind of a, a, a not very significant one. He didn't do a whole lot. He didn't colonize anything. He didn't really make a lot of money. But he did one thing, and pretty much one thing only, is that he put to rest the idea that Columbus had that the Americas were these sort of outlying islands of Asia. Right. Because Columbus thought, you know, this is Japan. Other people said, no, it's India. No, it's China. And so there was all these disputes about it. And the question was very much an open question. Americo Vespucci came and he didn't really do much, but he said, this is definitely not Asia. And so when he came back, the Europeans having to, of course, wanting to name and claim everything, the doctrine of discovery, you know, the, the supposed golden age of discovery when the Europeans decided they were going to claim the rest of the planet for themselves, they were confronted with a problem. Because in Latin, which was still the common language, there was Europa, there was Asia, and Africa. All those end in A. They're all feminine. So you couldn't really call it Americo, because we had this sort of concept and maybe sometime we'll explore like the gendered idea of the land, which is also very interesting that, that the lands, the names of continents were feminine. Yeah. That's do you know anything about that, Aaron? No, but I would wonder if it has something to do with the idea of Mother Earth. It could. But it, I wonder if it also has something to do with like the practice of naming ships female things. Female. So naming an inanimate objects, if you can call the mm. land inanimate, which I... You know, that's a conversation yeah. for another time yeah. with female names. Right. Yeah. And all, but all of the continents had female names. So they wanted to find a Latinate version of Amerigo, uh, this Italian guy. So they turned it into Americo 
So they make it, uh, the, the C makes it Latin, and then they turn the O to an A to make it feminine. So then we get America. And then at 1507, there's a map that's sold for the first time at an auction house at Christie's. And on the map, we have a rough outline of the, con- of the Western Hemisphere with the name America. And then it stuck. And for some reason, that name stuck. It's been stuck with us pretty much ever since. But it has this kind of bifurcated sense in English North America and Spanish or Latin Latin America, where Latin America, it is expansive. It can, it can cover whatever you want it to cover. It covers the whole continent. We have the the, we talked about Bolivar and the Americos. We had uh, the great uh, Cuban Jose, uh, Cuban uh, essayist Jose Marti talking about Nuestra America, our America, to differentiate it from their America over there. And then we um, have the United States of America. We have the Organization of American States, the Pan American Union, all kinds of American this and that. So. Yeah, I guess we have two different kinds of strands of America. Um, I was just remembering now that you're mentioning all those things that covered America in Latin America, for example. There's a there's a lot of uh, artists, including songwriters. I don't remember right now the name of this very well-known um, composer, but he has a song called America, and it's describing how beautiful the Americas is, mm-hmm. as in poet, poetry and everything. So mm-hmm. I'm just wondering if um, this whole American uh, concept idea, mm-hmm. it's different in it's seen differently in um, in English speaking countries and than in Spanish. Because in Spanish, I don't tend to call a person from the U.S. an Americano. But uh, the first time that I thought about it is when my professor, my supervisor, he's from Spain, and he refers to North Americans and U.S. specifically people as Americanos. That's a, that's a thing an Americano did. And I was just like, uh, I was surprised to hear that in hmm. Spanish because I don't hear that very often, right? He doesn't call them Norte Americanos? Just Americanos. Mm, Americanos, the U.S. Uh-huh. people. He's like, Americanos. Uh-huh. And I'm like... And then I felt, well, I'm also an Americana, right? <laughs> yes. Did you tell did you tell him that? No. We'll but... tell him that now. <laughs> Diana but... is also an Americana. So. Yes. So I was just <laughs> don't forget. Thinking about that um <laughs> in Spanish. Yeah. I mean, I don't mind it so much in English, but when I it's it was very weird for me to yeah. hear it in Spanish, right? That's that's true. And that's when I think about all those encounters I've had of Latin Americans mm-hmm. when I've said, uh, I'm Americano and they go you know, I'm also Americano. <laughs> and, but they've never happened in English. Like mm-hmm. when I talk to Latin Americans in English, if I say, yeah, I'm, I'm American, they go, whatever. Doesn't even, doesn't, it's, it's, it has a different meaning in Spanish. What do you think, Aaron? What do they call people from the States? If they don't call them Americano. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Gringo. <laughs> That's Gringo. Okay. Estadounidense. Estadounidense. Yankee. Yankee. Yeah, we have so many other Yuma. words. Yuma, yes. Yuma. Foreigner. Uh, what is it? Yoni. The Yoni, it's the United States. Oh. We mm. have, uh, if, if you're enjoying this episode of Word Salad, I invite you to look up. Uh, we, have an, we have another episode that Deanna and I did on all the different names for, for U.S. Americans in Spanish. There are, there are at least half a dozen. Mm-hmm. We have... Um, so the technical one, the technical one would be Estado Unidense. Estado Unidense. So United, United Statesian. 
Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. Uh-huh. So we have Estado uh Norte Americano, so North American. But then if you were Canadian or Mexican, you'd be like, hey, I'm also Norte Americano, right? So I don't really like that one. Um, <laughs> and then we have more slang ones like, okay, we we talked about this before, but yeah. I can't remember. Is gringo and gringo for you is more of a white person, right? Uh, I Well, when I talked about this, to me, a gringo is a person from the U.S. It could be a black person oh, too. But, oh. but in generally speaking, if you go to... If if a white person goes to um, Latin America, even if they is if they are European, if they speak Spanish, um, they will be a gringo. So. Yeah. So there's gringo. So, but that's also mm-hmm. an open question. And in Cuba, it's a yuma, which is very particular to Cuba. You, you won't hear this anywhere else. But someone specifically from the United States, whether they're no matter what color they are, they're a yuma. Don't hmm. ask me why yuma. Um, and then a yoni. La Johnny is La the Johnny. way we refer to the U.S. Yeah. in yeah. short, like it's and it's slang, and we also have uh, Yankee, which I think Yankee. is very Argentinian. Yeah, mm. so, because Gringo in Argentina means any kind of foreigner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. So lots of different. Uh-huh. So Aaron, have we convinced you that you're an Americana yet? Uh, hmm. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, it's funny because when I was younger, I used. I remember one time calling myself a North American because I remember telling my friends I had dual citizenship in the in the States. And so in my childish mind, I must have been five, maybe. My country of residence encompassed all of Canada and all of the United States because I had citizenship in both. Uh-huh. So in my mind, since that took up the majority of North America at that point, I was like, I'm North American. <laughs> necessarily think of North and South America as one thing. I mean, mm-hmm. I know they're the Americas, but I don't mm-hmm. necessarily think of them as one thing for me to call myself an American, American, right? Mm-hmm. So I probably would still just, I would call myself North American and Canadian. So okay. I do have that okay. continental identity, but I don't, okay. 
necessarily like I don't necessarily yeah. call it American. Okay. And that's I mean part of that is probably also due to the history and and the fact that the US calls themselves Americans. That's true. And and I I want to be clear here, I don't dislike America or the US. <laughs> yeah. I don't dislike them. There's just an interesting Right. The, the relationship between Canada and the U.S. is an interesting one it's, for another time. Yeah, for, it, for another it time, <laughs> it is, and it's it, it, it's it's very interesting, and, and it's all relational. It's always yeah. relational. It's always yeah. contextual. It's always contextual because when I'm in back in the states and visiting friends and family, they're always going at me about Canada. Canada, this <laughs> you're in Canada as a Canadian, da 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 da. You have that As a Canadian, you know, and I'm like, ah, you know, I, yeah. And then, as as a as a U.S. American in Canada, people are always like, "Well, what what about you? Like, what as an American? How do you?" And I'm like, "I don't know. I'm just one person. Like, I don't." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was gonna say one another thing about about the Americas. Um, it would be interesting to get like some perspectives from other. I guess Deanna, I'll ask you. About other Latin Americans, have you mm-hmm. had this conversation with other Latin Americans, and how do they feel? Uh, I, I I have, but it's mostly like I said, the Latin Americans that live in the U.S. that they uh-huh. want to they they want to that difference to be identified, right? And uh, um, uh, other than that, I guess we mostly call ourselves Latinos or Latinx or Latina uh-huh. Uh-huh. myself. So, um, but I tend to introduce myself when sometimes people don't know where Ecuador is. I don't blame them. It's a small country in South America. Uh-huh. Well, it's near the equator. They should at least figure that part out. <laughs> but some people think it's in Africa, believe it or not. Uh-huh. Um, but um, but I just say it's the same as Aaron. Um, I said I, I say I'm South American, okay. or I'm from South America. Okay. So people are more like, oh, okay. More. Hopefully, they can figure out where that is. Yes. You now it's interesting, Aaron, to go back to what you were talking about. In some of my research, I found that. Just the very idea of what the Americas are is is also pretty recent. Uh, in U.S. textbooks, this is very interesting. In U.S. textbooks, they used to refer to America as they didn't differentiate in in other words between North America and South America. And as late as 1951, there was a there was a high school history text, textbook that talked about America being North and South America. And so it's relatively recent that we've made this, and and, and always it, it struck me as well because often in the literature in 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 Spanish, people will talk about el continente, el continente, the con, el continente americano. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, isn't there aren't there two? So now I'm yeah. confused. Yeah. <laughs> are there are there two? Are there one? Are we all just you know? Is are we all just? Still, call, are, are our minds still colonized by Europe, and we shouldn't even talk about Americas anyway? Like we're on Turtle Island. Like I don't know. We should probably have. I... We should probably get some, grab some more people and bring them in here. <laughs> are you American? That, <laughs> that sounds like it could be a, quite a controversial conversation. It sure, it sure could, and it sure it could get really controversial. And and we're and we're mainly talking about language. So maybe I'm going to pick on you a little bit more. Okay. Because you're a linguist. Okay. When you see that, <laughs> haha, spring this one on you. Uh, putting on your linguistics, your linguist cap. Yeah, there you go. She just put on her, her linguist <laughs> hat, her official hat. When you see the word America, what do you, what do you think of as a linguist? What would you want to know about the word America as a linguist? Like if I was coming at it blind, mm-hmm. it's interesting because 
already I have so many assumptions about it just from my life. It's it's hard to come at it completely objectively. Like even the fact that I had never even considered the fact that it both names two continents or one continent um, and also is apparently the name of the citizens of one particular country within that continent. I'd never even considered the fact. It's funny. I should have. Like it's completely obvious, but I had never even thought about it. But as soon as Deanna started talking to me about it, I I started to think about, well, how did that happen? <laughs> um, like, how did how did it become? So I started wondering about its history, really. And and that's basically what I would do as a linguist. I would want to know about, I mean, both its contextual use. So sort of what we've been talking about. How do you use it? How do you use it? What do you think about it? You would probably talk to its to people who use that word and see, but you'd also look into the history as you've sort of done, and also just regular forces of language that cause change or evolution in meaning, and that's very that's influenced by society and by grammar and all sorts of all sorts of things. So I mean, there's there's any number of ways you could look at it. Um, I don't how know if do, that really you answers think, your question. Yeah, how do you think it? it how is it possible uh, as a linguist? Like, how is it possible that that a word like America? be the same word and yet come to mean so many different things to different people. Okay, well, I have a hypothesis, but this is not based on lots of research. So you've given me a couple of clues, which is giving me a hunch as to why okay. some of the some of the reason why it's sort of at where it's at now. So you said Americano was used as a rallying cry in this in South, South America. America. Okay, uh, so that revolution. so that is used as a broad unifier. And that's used as a broad unifier not within one country. That's used as a unifier within, like, distinct countries. Yeah. Well, so, the, well the Spanish Empire. The old within Spanish the Spanish Empire. Empire. Yeah. Right. So, and the Spanish Empire now, there's lots of countries within the Spanish right. Empire. So, in that, I, it makes sense that in South America, it retains sort of a meaning of more the continent rather mm-hmm. than a national identity. Yes. For Europe, for the Britain, British Empire that came in, it basically split into two parts. It was Canada, and it was the colonies, which then ended up splitting into the U.S., which broke away from Britain, and Canada, which stayed allied with Britain. So at that point, there's not lots of countries that are using that word. So it, it, I don't think it really retains a lot of its colonial or continental kind of scope at that point. Right. And I think a lot, like in Canada, we were considered British subjects for a long time. It took quite a long time for Canadian identity to start taking hold. So we didn't even really start really kind of stepping out and like making a name for ourselves outside of Britain until something like the First or Second World War when we started actually making a name for ourselves in some of the battles in yes. in, in one of the, yes I think in Vimy Ridge this, yeah Vimy World Ridge one, being so? one of them yeah mm-hmm. I think in a lot of ways we were still aligned we were still considered sort of British subject, mm-hmm. subjects not not Americans. We were a colony. Well, we weren't really a colony. Eh. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a very weird history. <laughs> yeah. I mean, technically, mm-hmm. I don't think until about the 80s did we get full autonomy. Mm-hmm. So, And you're still subjects of the queen. As I was reminded right. when you took the citizenship oath, and oh. I have been told that I will read this piece of paper that says that I promise to give my loyalty to Her Majesty, Queen of Canada, Queen Elizabeth II, yes. and all her rightful heirs and successors. So, yes. So, I mean, at least symbolically, you're still subjects yes. of the queen. Yeah. Yes. However, she it's it's separate. We're not British subjects. She yeah, is she is the, she queen, is of the queen of 
Britain and also the Queen, queen of, of Canada. Separate. Mm-hmm. So she is yeah. the Queen of Canada at that point. Yes. So, yes. yes. So you're not cologne. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. So weird. Yeah. Anyway. Um, I mean, if, if I think of the history a little bit now that we're talking about like North America, South America, when you talk about neocolonialism, the country that oppressed Latin America is the U.S. or was the U.S., right? So in, in during that time, so maybe right. the discomfort of Latinos not being recognized yes. as Americanos as well, it comes from that part of history. Right. Right? Yeah. What do you think? But it's interesting, right? Because, yes, Latin America did go through this long, intensive period from the end of the 19th century till, I mean, the Cold War, mm-hmm. where the United States kept invading. Mm-hmm. There was something, I mean, there were like over 20 different invasions of every country from Guatemala to Venezuela to Nicaragua, Mexico, you name it. Right? The U.S. invaded and occupied. The Dominican Republic had invaded multiple times and occupied to establish itself. It even created a colony in Cuba and Puerto Rico, and Puerto Rico still is a colony. I mean, they, they, they even call it. They, they talk to them about mm-hmm. themselves. They're like, we are la colonia in Puerto Rico. But they are also part of the U.S. as a country, too, right? Yeah, it's weird. But they are. <laughs> they are. They are. They are. They are Americans. <laughs> they are U.S. Americans. They hold U.S. American passports, but they don't have all the rights of American citizens. They can't vote in the presidential election. They only have a symbolic one representative in Congress that has no actual voting power. He just kind of hangs out there and is like, Puerto Rico. <laughs> um, and they don't really control their own affairs, right? That's part of their problem right now is they can't, they can't, they don't actually, because they don't have any real political power, they can't persuade Washington to give them the money they need to rebuild the island. Yet they don't really, yet they don't want to give up the the connection they have to the United States because they can freely go cross, you know, into the, to the, to the mainland and go work or whatever they want to do, go to school, you know, without having to get any kind of a visa or anything. So anyway, so (laughs) this historical turn, right? So, so the U S invades, um, Latin America a the, bunch of times the even dictatorships dictatorships and creates right. colonies mm. it's a ba- it's a bad it's a bad it's an ugly period and yet Latin Americans still hold on to the idea of being americanos i think partially because of what simon bolivar mm-hmm. really wanted to achieve and aaron you mentioned all the different nations and there's 20 plus nations in Latin America, individual nations, but the dream has always been to create a united Latin America, Americanos, you know, a a real Mm -hmm. united Latin America that would be equal to the United States in terms of like weight in the world.
be in America. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. America was a bastard, the illegitimate daughter of the mother country whose legs were then spread around the world and a rapist known as freedom, free doom. Democracy, liberty, and justice were revolutionary code names that preceded the bubbling, 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 bubbling in the mother country's crotch. What does Webster say about soul? All I want is a good home and a wife and a children and some food to feed them every night. After all is said and done, build a new route to China if they'll have you. Who will survive in America? 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 To LA, where there's pride in every American heart, and it's time we stand and say. Americanos, you know, a, a real mm-hmm. united Latin America that would be 
equal to the United States in terms of like weight in the world. That, um, that was the dream of Bolivar, right? That was so. Bolivar's dream. And, you know, when he tried to to make it happen, people accused him of being a tyrant <laughs> and being a dictator because he was one man from originally from Venezuela. Mm-hmm. Right. And and he was like, I'm going to control this whole territory. And they all had different language, not different languages, but different traditions, different cultures, um, different dialects. Uh, um, <clears throat> and so it didn't really happen, but it still is there. And. You know, regardless of what you think about him and about uh, Hugo Chavez and the legacy of Hugo Chavez, and I know the tragedy that's going on in Venezuela right now makes any kind of talk of like that revolution being something you would turn to is kind of ridiculous. But when Chavez created the his revolution, do you do you know what he called it? I don't know. He called it the Bolivarian Revolution. Oh, yes. That was his idea, is the Bolivarian yes. Revolution. And the uh, whole it, thing... It's annoying that he calls it like that. <laughs> I, well, yeah, it is. But it, but it's but it's it's significant, right? Mm-hmm. That he's trying to... Re- he tried to revive this dream of a united Latin America that would defy the U.S. Americans, the Yankees, the Gringos, whatever you want to call them. So... It's it's super interesting. So it's almost like we have three different Americas. We have Canada, which is like, yes, we're very close to the United States, but we are definitely not Americans. <laughs> Please don't call me that. <laughs> don't call me an American. I'm Canadian. Then we have American Americans uh, who have tried to become the big like big bully on the block and tell everyone else in the rest of the Americas that they are the only Americans. And then you have Latin America, which is like, wait a second, we're Americanos as well, but their version of America is a different version of America. So, um, what do you think? I have a question for you, Erin. Okay. Um, as a linguist, okay, and isn't it interesting how words end up being these labels that have this huge impact and meaning in the mm-hmm. identity of people? Like, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on that? It's huge. I mean, language has so much power in constructing a, a story about yourself, a, a place of belonging for mm-hmm. yourself. I mean, that's, I mean, that all in a lot of ways, that's a lot about why people are, like, linguists are helping with language revitalization or trying to partner with communities who are doing language revitalization because language is so key in creating an identity and, and understanding who you are as a people. Um. I mean, sometimes we forget that as because English is such an international language. Mm-hmm. It, it's sort of lost our own. We've lost our own national identity as far as language is concerned. Um, but but language has been historically and still is in so many places such a marker of who you are. And it's because language is created by its users. So it shapes its users, but the users also guide its evolution. So it, in many ways, you work in tandem. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. the language is created by its users, but then it sort of is outside its users in some sort of way, and you can use terms of the language to define yourself. And then, and then the way a community goes, I mean, it will guide how the language changes over time, and the and the language will continue to shape itself to to the needs of its users. Um, so it has it has a huge ability to 
to define a person. Would you say that in the future, maybe the meaning of the word Americano or American will, I mean, will continue to evolve somehow? Like, would you say it would change? Uh, yeah, I mean, it could. It definitely could. Um, I, I, I don't, I can't predict what will happen. I mean, uh, I mean, you're asking me about why why it's gotten where it is, and and Americano in South America was sort of this hope for a united continent. Mm -hmm. in, in some ways, I think for the United States of America, that dream was somewhat realized, right? Because they separated themselves from the British Empire, and they no longer had anyone who was over them. So they were now citizens, right? Without ties, right? To Europe, they were citizens of this American continent uh -huh. so and and what do they call themselves it was disparate states it's right. the united states right yeah so in some ways i wonder if that is why they sort of have taken that yeah. as their yeah. identity and it's and, in, and, in a similar way yeah. to why in south america that that is the way people think about it except in south america there's dis distinct nations now Absolutely. and it's not a it's not a united continent yeah. although some of the the nations their actual formal names have america in them uh -huh. uh, formally uh -huh. mexico is los estados unidos de mexico the united mm -hmm. states of mexico or i guess mm -hmm. they have the united states in them but um uh i was going oh, really to ask you something interesting i was going to ask you something Aaron. um i know it's tricky and it's a vexing thing to ask you to speak for a community, but you have done some work in in uh, Alaska and native yes. languages in Alaska. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had any kind of conversation around this idea about like what America means to the people that you study there, and like what would they say? It's come up, um, and yes, I want to be careful here because I I am not their representative, and right. I can't necessarily speak for them. Right. Um, I think there is still a lingering sense of, um, like, U.S. as being the colonizer yeah. in, in a lot of cases. Because particularly in the area where I was, that was an area that was colonized twice. So first, first the Russians came in, and they came down the chain of islands that stretches between Russia and and North America, and they colonized down that chain of islands, which is where I was. They colonized down that chain of islands and then took over all of what is now Alaska, uh, up into the mainland. They used that as their launching point. So they had control, and they colonized first. So there's an interesting mix of Russian influences still there in culture and language. And I mean, even in the native languages there, there's Russian loanwords that have come in and... Um, I mean, the ortho, like the Orthodox faith came in, missionaries came in along with the Russian colonizers and they, they spread, you know, Orthodox Christianity. And so there's lots, there's lots of influence. And then, of course, it progressed and then it was suddenly sold <laughs> and the Americans came in. So and in from my understanding, there had it was still colonization. So there were still terrible things that was done. But there was also... I think a sense where people, some Russians were intermarried with the communities. And so then there was um, people who were of both the native heritage, but also Russian heritage. And they, they were, as far as I understand it, actually like upstanding members of the community. Um, and they, they could do well within the society that had been set up. And then suddenly 
America came in, and they were suddenly second-class citizens again, once again. So there's still interesting interplay between the history there right. and, and the idea of colonizers and, and what what was it that the colonizers have done in our communities and what has their influence been. Um, and it's super complex, right? Like so, it's yeah. and, and it's even different in different communities that you go to. Some okay. people have very distinct um, reactions to, for instance, uh, American, hol- like uh, U.S. holidays, the 4th of July. Different communities will have different um, stances on yeah. on whether and how and why and what a celebration might look like. So, I mean, I can't really generalize. Right. And I haven't been to that much of Alaska to even really generalize beyond the yeah. two communities that I was in. And even uh, then, I can't really speak for them. But of course. just to give a general yeah. gist of what happened in history, I mean, it makes sense, right? Yeah. It makes sense why... There would be some lingering question about question. So, <laughs> in, unfortunately, it looks like we're going to have to kind of settle the interview by just saying <laughs> that the question of America is very unsettled. Yeah, like even even in like communities in from from communities in Alaska to Ecuadorian Canadians to U.S. to dual citizens like yourself to U.S. Americans like myself to those annoying Argentinians who always berate <laughs> me for claiming to be Americans. They're Just, hilarious. They're annoying. <laughs> except, except for the, <laughs> that this question of America re- remains an ongoing conversation. Uh, but it's it's been so it's so fascinating. And um, so I urge you to get in touch with us and send us your thoughts Especially if you just want to pipe in, do you consider yourself American or not? Especially if you're not a citizen of the United States of America, whether you consider yourself American in some way. Um, We would love to hear from you. We can easily return. We could easily do America Part 2 (laughs) (laughs) anytime. It's been a real pleasure having you, Erin. Thank you for inviting me on. That was really fun. (laughs) You've been listening to to Word Salad on CJSR 88.5. From the wild, wild north of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, I am your host, Dr. Russell Cobb, along with my co-host, Deanna Chang-Horado, and our special guest, Aaron McGarvey, a student in linguistics here at the University of Alberta. It's been our pleasure, and please get in touch. Let us know about whether you're American. So until next time, word up. Thank you, Aaron. Thanks so much, guys. That was fun.
Just my 
American boy, would you be my love? 